What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. We'll get right into the message tonight. Father, thank you so much for the blood We've been singing about the blood, Lord. Our hearts have begun just now to be like flowers that bend toward the sunlight. We've been bending toward the blood, our thoughts and our singing. And now, Lord, help us. Lord, you would pour out your spirit to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Well, if you got your Bible, I hope you do. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13 is our key verse for tonight along with another one. Actually, I think they may be in the bulletin. Let me see. Part of them are, yeah, Exodus 12, 13. Exodus 12, 13, and then ex- and Colossians 1, 20. And this is what it says. Exodus 12, 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, that's the key verse. When I see the blood, who's talking? God. When God sees the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. First key verse for tonight for us to have in mind, this verse, Exodus 12, 13. Other key verse in the New Testament, bringing it together, Colossians 1, 20. Colossians 1, 20. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Back to Exodus 12. Back in mind to Exodus 12. It's one night in Exodus 12. This all happened on one night. What a night that was. Like no other night. Warning. The previous verse, Exodus 12, 12, a warning clearly given by God where he said, Exodus 12, 12, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, 
I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. This was a night of judgment. God is going to pass through the whole land of Egypt. He is going to kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and animal, no exceptions. Every firstborn, every family, every firstborn among animals is going to die. We cannot imagine how terrible this night was. All the firstborn going to die that night as the Lord would pass from house to house, from barn to barn, from nest to nest, from hole to hole. Wherever man or animal is found, God's going to find them, and every firstborn is going to die. It's called a night of execution. It was a night in which God said that he was going to execute judgment on the gods, all the gods of Egypt. If any person was trusting in the gods of Egypt to protect them from God, from the Hebrew God, they would see that on that night, none of the gods of Egypt would be able to save them from the executions of the firstborn on that night. God said, I will execute judgment. No exceptions. God, God called this night, in Exodus 12, 42, verse 42, it is a night to be much observed. Or in other words, it is a night to be much remembered. It's a night to be much recalled, which is what we're going to do tonight. I mean, tonight, yeah. And here we are right now. And you and I, there's no way we can really imagine how horrifying this was, how terrifying this was to have this this no escape idea, this no escape. I mean, the people of Egypt, they had experience with God. They, had, they, they knew God was not to be trifled with. God was to be taken seriously. There were nine plagues. You know, you come to the Passover, where the Jews celebrate Passover, and it's interesting because, you know, there's a cup of wine, and then for each of the nine plagues, they say the word, in Hebrew, and then they put their finger in the wine, the cup of wine, and drop it as a red drop on the plate. You know, a little kid growing up, that's pretty dramatic. You know, that's like, you know, what is ta- drop? And you, know, you have this plate of 10 drops of red, like blood, on the plate. Every one of those nine judgments before this one, God told everyone in Egypt through Moses, this is going to happen, and it happened. For nine times, everybody saw God said it was going to happen. It happened. Well, here's the tenth time, and now there's this warning of the most horrible judgment of all, the death of the firstborn. And for all the other judgments, all the other nine judgments before, there was no escape. There was no escape at all. There was no escape from the first plague. Finger in the wine, first drop of red on the plate. As everyone watched, the precious water of the River Nile turn to blood. When we fly to Ethiopia, and we fly over Egypt, and you fly over North Africa, it's like wasteland, wasteland, wasteland. You're looking down from the airplane, it's like dry, dusty sand, blowing. It's like terrible, terrible. All of a sudden, there is this two-mile stretch of green, luscious green, running through this land. That's the Nile. And on one mile from the Nile, and on the other mile to the Nile, it's like a paradise. It's beautiful. The Nile is Egypt. No Nile, no Egypt. 
That's why all this trouble is in Ethiopia right now. Because the Ethiopians government had this brilliant idea that they would dam up the Nile because it starts in Ethiopia and they would sell electricity to the rest of Africa. And the Egyptians told them, we'll go to war over that. And so it kind of went on. Well, anyway, there's a lot of, but I don't want to get into politics tonight. Oh, no. But I just want to say, the first plague was the turning of the Nile into blood. Nobody could take a part of the Nile and say, okay, this is protected. Every part of the Nile turned to blood. There was no escape. There was no escape from the second plague. Finger in the wine, second drop on the plate. The plague of frogs. Frogs. The second plague of frogs. It was, frogs were everywhere. Everywhere. And we can't even imagine frogs in my shoes, frogs in my bed, frogs in my food. Frogs, frogs everywhere. No escape from the frogs. Nothing, no one could do anything to be exempt from that. Finger in the wine. Third drop, third plague, lice, lice, lice everywhere. Every head of every person infested with lice, lice on all the animals, lice throughout all the grain. You were eating lice, lice. No one could be exempt from the third plague. Finger in the cup of wine, fourth drop, fourth plague, flies. Flies, we can't imagine what that was like. Swarms of flies, darkening the sky, opening your mouth, flies go into your mouth, terrible. In your ears, everywhere, flies crawling over everything. And of course, they have maggots that go along with it. But anyway, no one could be exempt from that. I remember when I, when I was 19, um, or it was, and uh, 65. Anyway, in, in, um, in a school I went to called Colorado Rocky Mountain School, and what we did is we climbed mountains, and one of the mountains we climbed was a mount, mountain called Mount Castle. It was 14,250 feet. I remember that. And it was a two-day hike, and then the first hike we hiked to our base camp was in July, and it was a glacier. Colorado, we, we came to our base camp and we set up our tents and we spent the night that, by the lake. That place was so infested with mosquitoes that you couldn't get them off you. The only thing you just thought of is you just thought to yourself, there's got to come a time when they think, I don't want to bite them anymore. <laughs> we were bit all over. And they were just, it was just terrible. I mean, I don't think we slept that night. We couldn't wait. Flies everywhere in this fourth plague, no escape. Finger in the wine, fifth drop, fifth plague. A strange disease in livestock, a livestock disease. A plague on all the livestock. A helplessness as everybody watched their livestock fall down, pant, and die. A fifth plague, no escape. Sixth plague, festering boils on all men and all animals. Boils to start with the raised area, the boil breaks open, festers, pain. Every person, everybody looks at everybody in their family covered with these boils. All the animals, there's nothing anybody could do to be exempt from that. Sixth plague. Seventh plague, Hail and fire, a hail 
that darkened the sky, and when the hail fell, it was of a size that were like rocks that killed animals. And if there was any animal left out in the field, well, of course, the hail starts to fall. Everybody runs for shelter. Looking out in the shelter, to their horror, they watched as their animals become pummeled to death by the hail that's falling down. Then lightning and fire that runs across the ground. Absolutely terrifying. Seventh plague, hail and fire, no exemption. And then there was the eighth plague, locusts. Locusts from a distance. They saw these locusts coming like a black cloud, just moving across the land, destroying everything green in its path. Horrible noise collectively of all their wings moving across, blotting out the sunshine like the frogs and the lice and the flies. Locusts everywhere, tormenting no noise there. You couldn't walk anywhere without walking on crushing layers of locusts everywhere, no escape, no exemption, eighth plague. Then the ninth plague, if you were not within the region of Goshen, where the Jewish people were, there was no escape from the ninth plague, which was a penetrating, profound darkness, a darkness that could be felt, a darkness that penetrated into the soul. No one could escape this. I've been, we have a customer in the northern part of Finland, go up there, way up there, and um, where you land on ice, way up there. Anyway, and you know, there's a real problem up there. And during the wintertime, people go into severe depression. You know why? No light, no light. And you know, they have a very high suicide rate. And so what they have to do for these people is they have, to, they have to get them in rooms, what they call light therapy, and they have to put their face in front of fluorescent lights for like three hours during the day to try to drive the darkness out. This was a darkness that we're talking about here, a profound darkness that penetrated into the soul. This was the ninth plague. But before each of these plagues, God, through Moses, he said, here's the next plague that's coming. And it came. And there was no escape. And nothing that anybody could do to be exempt, to be passed over, to be skipped. No. And now was the announcement of the 10th plague. More horrible than any of the other previous plagues. And is the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn. Everyone knew that this one was going to happen just as the other nine did. And the announcement of this horrible 10th plague, the firstborn in every family, it was such an impact that every firstborn looked at their family members and every family member looked at the firstborn and the firstborn said, I'm going to die. And all the family members looked at their firstborn and said, you're going to die because that was the plague. And those that had not hardened their heart against God, they cried out, is this most horrible plague going to be like all the other nine ones? Is there going to be no escape? From this horrible plague, is there going to be no exemption? Is there going to be no passing over? Do I have to die in this plague? And God replies that this was to be different from the nine other plagues. Yes, there was a way of escape. Yes, it was the only way, but it was a way of escape from the 10th plague. It was possible to have an exemption. 
It was possible to be skipped. It was possible to be passed over. And God said the way of it, the way of escape is through a family lamb. A family lamb. Each family had to have a lamb. And they were to take the lamb and kill the lamb. And then they were to collect the blood. And they were to apply the blood on the two doorposts, mezuzah, mezuzot here and here, and on the lintel over the door, like a shape of a cross. And that was what God said to do. He said, put the blood up there. And then God said, when I see the blood, not when you see the blood, but when I see the blood, I'll pass over. God was saying, when I see the blood, you will escape the plague of the death of the firstborn. He was saying, when I see the blood, you'll be exempt. When I see the blood, I will skip over. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. This blood was so powerful that when God saw it, all judgment stops. This blood was so powerful that when God saw it, execution stops, exemption starts, passing over starts, salvation starts. The firstborn was saved when God saw the blood. And the question is, what did God see? He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Exactly what did God see when he said caused him to not execute this judgment? What did he see when he said, when I see the blood? Now we know that this Passover night, the family lambs, these are all symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. I mean, John the Baptist introduces the Lord Jesus as he enters onto the scene of human history in his ministry. I shouldn't say human history, but as he enters into his public ministry in John 1.29, John the Baptist goes, da-da-da-da! John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. God saw in the blood of those family lambs, he saw in the symbolism there, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who died on the cross 2,000 years ago as the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, shed his blood on the cross, God saw the blood of the cross. And the question is, what did God see in the blood of his cross? What did he see? That's what really we want to focus on. This is this question here, this burning question, Exodus 12, 13. When I see the blood, what did God see? When I see the blood, what did he see in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, we needed blood to have our sins removed taken away. Talked about when I see the blood. Leviticus 17.11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So the life, the blood, the blood, the life, the life, the life of the flesh is in the blood. I says, I've given it to you on the altar to make an atonement for your souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. The life, the blood, the atonement. It's all wrapped up there. But God made it so clear. It's the blood that makes an atonement for a soul. You and I, we needed blood for all of our sins that have stained our souls to be atoned for, to be taken away. We needed blood, not just any blood, special blood, very special blood. What God required as symbolism for the sin offering, 
in this chapter, chapter 12, verse 5. Chapter 12, verse 5, Exodus 5, Exodus 12, 5, Exodus 12, 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Without blemish. The requirement is of the without blemish speaks to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Lamb of God, was a person who had no sin. He had no blemish. He had no sin. Now, I say that. You, you, I do. You do. We try to imagine it. We can't imagine it. Know why? We are filled with sin. We are filled with sin. We are so spotted and stained with sin that it's, we can't imagine a person who was without sin. But that was the Lord Jesus Christ. When it says in Isaiah 53, 9, that it describes him, he made his grave with the wicked, his, the rich, and his death, because he had done no violence, none at all, no violence, neither by thought, word, or anyway, no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth, no thought of deceit, no word of deceit, no deceit, no violence, no deceit. You know, it's hard for us to imagine that. We can't imagine that. I mean, who's so sinless as a person who's never sinned? We can't imagine a sinless person because we're so far from being sinless. We don't know anybody who's sinless. You know, but what made the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ so rare is that it's described in 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18, for as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious, that's the word, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The rare blood of Christ, the precious, the rare, when you have precious metals, rare metals. When you have something that is so rare, why was it rare? Because it was without blemish and without spot. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was precious because of how clean it was. It was perfectly clean, without blemish, without spot. No one has ever lived a life like Peter describes in 1 Peter 2.22, 1 Peter 2.22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. One thing is for sure, that doesn't describe us. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. We have all sinned. We have all lied. We have all deceived. And if there's anybody in this room who is saying right now, I've never told the lie, add that one to the list of the lies. <laughs> That's what makes the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ so precious. He never lied. He never sinned. It was the blood that we needed to make an atonement for, for our sins. And when God saw the blood, God saw precious. When God saw the blood, God saw rare. So rare, no other blood he saw like that. That was the blood that could take away our sins. When God saw the blood, God saw precious, that no other blood could do that because it was rare. He was the only person who ever lived and never sinned. Only person. Therefore, his blood was precious. God told us that we needed to be redeemed with this precious blood. Our sins were like a debt. Every time we sinned, it was a debt added to the debt column. And when we sinned, we sold ourselves into indebtedness. 
And we couldn't be freed from that indebtedness unless valuable blood was used to pay for our redemption. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.